At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. podcast the podcast for cryptids and their keepers that's us and if you're listening it's you too i'm alex flanagan and i'm addison peacock and here with us today we have a special guest hello i'm tim i'm tim warner (laughs) i think that's the first time you've put your last name out into the social media sphere yeah it kind of is yeah how does that feel it's uh exhilarating (laughs) yeah does it feel good to finally be like open and honest (laughs) with yourself and your following (laughs) So if you uh, are a Patreon supporter or if you've been uh, following it on its public release, you might know Tim's voice from being Martha on our actual play Monster of the Week show, A Horror Borealis. Yeah, Tim is a content creator for the One Shot Network, which is a cool (laughs) sentence I can say now. Yeah, Tim is a content creator for the One Shot Network. He's also the runner of the probably my favorite Twitter account on the entire website. (laughs) Oh, it's so freaking good. I don't know why. It's just the energy is good. Aww. The content is pure. Um, but perhaps his finest role is uh, being our close good friend. So close he's good friend. here oh, in my yeah, apartment today, and he's going to record an episode of Cryptid Keeper with and us. And I am also here in the apartment today. <laughs> yes, Madison <laughs> is also here in the We're apartment today. We're taking advantage of recording in the same place while we can. Uh, so apologies if the sound quality is slightly less crisp or if there is a bit more crosstalk. Um... It's because we're busy enjoying our friendship, so please try not to hold it against us. <laughs> um, do you hate friendship? Do you hate fun? Yeah. Do you just, like, not want us to have a life outside of this podcast that we record for you? We do so much and ask so little if it's our <laughs> Alex, oh, please. No. no. If you hate fun and you hate friendship, then I don't know why you're listening. Smash that unfollow button. Please Smash don't. <laughs> please don't. Um, also, my dog is here, so... Yeah. If, if you're you hear, a if you're a bear fan, yeah. then you got some good bear content going on. If you on hear in the any scritchums or any dog general dog sounds, that's the source of that. Right now, he's just sort of moodily leaning against my leg because he's mad that there's not room for him on the couch with he's three just, people. <laughs> he's refusing to lay on the ground, though he has sandwiched himself between Alex's leg and the coffee table. Oh, now he's licking my toes. Oh, good. <laughs> How's that? Mm, that's Did fine. It tastes good. I guess. Did you know you were going to get a free toe bath this morning? I did not. Life is full of miraculous and wonderful surprises. Oh, you're a good boy. And I'm talking, of course, to you, audience. (laughs) (laughs) All of you out there. All of you. You are a good person, I should say. Truly. Bear is a good boy. You are all good eggs. So, uh, are you guys ready for your cryptid today? Yeah, what'd you bring? Well, I will tell you what I've brung. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, but up front, I just want to say a little bit of a content warning on this episode. Uh-oh. Not for anything in particular, just that the origin story for this creature is a bit, um, intense. Okay. And it's varied. There are a few different ones, and all of them are pretty upsetting in their um, own unique way. Can I get a little more clarification on it? What, on intense? Um, cannibalism. Oh, oh. good. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Murder. Oh, Moida. That, that's also entailed in cannibalism. Yes, yeah, some of them not are not true, Tim. Some cannibals just uh, find... Okay, yeah, right. that's true. That's fair. Um, okay, some of them are murder without cannibalism. Some of them are cannibalism 
with murder. Okay, great. All right. <laughs> I feel like I'm ordering the world's most morbid combo meal. Okay. Um, a uh, content warning for adultery, I guess, if that mm-hmm. bothers you. Um, you're gonna be really surprised when you find out what this cryptid is. <laughs> yeah, this is a lot of buildup for for the Sri Lankan devil bird. Ooh. All right, and it's. A bird. <laughs> well, Devil Bird was my nickname in high school. <laughs> was it? I want to know where I adultery wish. plays into this. Uh, I will tell you. No, it's I will tell bird. you real quick what my, my actual nickname bird. related to my last name, because my last name is Peacock. People have asked me before if that is a stage name. It is not. <laughs> that is just my name. Um, but my nickname in high school and middle school from in certain circles of people was uh, derived from the Spanish phrase for peacock is pavo real, which means royal turkey. So a Aww. lot of people that I took Spanish classes with uh, in middle school through high school thought it was really funny to call me royal turkey. Uh, and it, it bothered me sometimes, but sometimes it was like fine. Sure. I wish that my high school nickname had been Devil Bird. Devil Bird would have been <laughs> so great. Devil Bird sounds like a good roller derby name if you ever get oh into roller God. derby. Yes. Oh, okay, no what do not take this copyright TM TM TM. Not to, I'm not copywriting the cryptid itself, obviously, <laughs> but like as a roller derby name. I don't think I don't know if you can copyright something with a specific <laughs> purpose, but as a roller derby name, I think that should be mine now. And if I can put wings on my skates, I'm gonna. Ooh, like little yes. wings on the back, oh, like yeah. Hermes. Oh, yeah. so good. I'm gonna be just like sliding into the roller derby league like like Hermes with knee pads. That's Devil very good. Bird. Maybe Hermes has knee pads. We're not gonna do this right now. Okay. <laughs> We're not going to deal with it. Um, Tell me about the devil bird. Yeah, so let's learn about the devil bird. That old devil bird. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, thank the you. Sky. Um, okay, so the devil bird uh, is locally known as the ulama. Mm-hmm. U-L-A-M-A. But okay. devil bird is sort of a catch-all term. Okay. And devil bird can refer to other cryptids or beings or actually some legit species of birds. In <laughs> so they're just birds you don't like? <laughs> in different areas. Okay. I think there's also an, um, I want to say Argentinian devil bird, and that's just like a totally different thing. So we are okay. talking today about the cryptid of Sri Lanka. Okay, got it. So specifically that. It is said to emit blood-curdling, human-sounding shrieks in the night from within the jungles. Off to a great start. And that I like is, where we're headed. And that is like its defining quality, is these horrible, horrible screams. Here's the thing. There are already birds that do that. <laughs> these are real bad. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, I've talked about it on the show before. Uh, if you weren't on, if you didn't hear these particular episodes, barn owls... Mm-hmm. scream like a woman being murdered. Yeah. It is terrifying. There's a specific description for the cry oh, yes. of the devil bird that shows up a few times, and I'll get there. But oh, um, for right now, just at the outset, things to know about the devil bird are mm-hmm. that uh, it's one of those cryptids that falls into a sort of um, niche where the likelihood is that it is an actual bird somewhere that just hasn't been mm-hmm. officially discovered or categorized. Totally. Difficulty with a devil bird is that there really aren't a lot of eyewitness accounts. What you have is a lot of ear witness accounts. Right. Mostly it's people who have heard these horrifying sounds coming from the jungles in the middle of the night and insist that they all, like, these accounts all match up. Yeah. That it's all one creature. Right. Um, or one species of creature, rather, depending on how mm-hmm. you, you know, subscribe to the mythology of the thing. And it definitely, if we look at it just from what you've given me so far, mm-hmm. is, you don't have to suspend any disbelief to buy into the idea that there is a bird that makes this kind of sound. Oh, because yeah, as I've just no. said, barn owls make this sound. There are plenty of other types of birds that make equivalent sounds. Mm-hmm. Not quite the same, but like that sound humanoid. Kookaburras sound like <laughs> maniacal laughter. And it is, it is harrowing. It is wild. Um, yeah, there are some crazy birds there, out there. Yeah, there are some birds out there that make 
really awful sounds. So I'm I'm assuming since you gave warnings for adultery and cannibalism, that this is going to go off the rails. It does go off the rails a bit. As of right now, I'm not having to suspend any disbelief to just completely buy into the devil bird. It's funny that you say that about kookaburras because actually I was, um, just a couple months ago, I was in Pittsburgh for uh, a a new play festival and it it was great. I love Pittsburgh. I grew up close to Pittsburgh. I've been to Pittsburgh several times, but for this particular reason, I was there for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And on sort of my day off, I took myself on a date around the city. I was just hanging out and I went to the National Aviary because (gasps) I freaking love birds. Yeah, birds are great. Um, That's why we're friends. But in the like lobby of the little food court of the National Aviary is where they keep the kookaburras. (laughs) And they're just like in this one uh, enclosure, like off to the side. Mm -hmm. And you're not supposed to like directly interact with them or like make prolonged eye contact because they get stressed out and scream. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> and so I didn't do anything, and like you're not supposed to because that's like sort of their uh. fighting sound. Like yeah. you don't want to interact with them because you don't want to start a fight in the enclosure. <laughs> but I was just like sitting. I was like, okay, cool. So I left. I like walked through most of the aviary. I came back. I sat down to have a cup of coffee before I got back on the bus, and like it was dead silent in the food court. And then all of a sudden, you just hear the horrible kookaburra sound <laughs> and it's like and it's like what is going on here's the thing um kookaburras actually kind of terrify me um i remember first of all i don't know why i didn't expect this knowing what i know about them but they are carnivorous oh of course um, they are so one of my favorite or or not one of my favorite actually but it's one of the ones i more recently recall and i did enjoy it but it specifically made me very nervous about kookaburras um, there is a David Sedaris essay where he talks about, I believe he was in Australia mm-hmm. and there was this kookaburra that was hanging out, that hangs out behind this restaurant that he and his husband were at. And they basically said, oh, do you want to feed the bird? We feed him all the time. And they fed and they give him a duck liver. And then the kookaburra would take the duck liver and just like whack it on the stones <gasps> oh, because he thinks God. he's killing yeah. it. <laughs> and then like swallow it in a gulp. And I'm just terrified at that image. I'm so afraid of it. It <laughs> makes me so scared. <laughs> If I ever see a kookaburra, just like if I see one and we make eye contact, not prolonged, mind you. Oh God, <laughs> never, oh, God, no. I I will turn and I will run. Yeah, I don't blame you. I will run faster than I have maybe ever run before or ever will again. <laughs> uh, anyway, oh, man, sorry. Please tell me about the devil bird. Yeah, so that's the devil bird. So the situation with the devil bird is that we have this creature that is ostensibly a very real creature. We just a- don't have factual proof of it. Yeah. But the reason it really starts to fall into cryptid territory is because one, it is unproven, and so scientifically that is the category in which it resides. But also because it does occupy a folkloric role in Sri Lankan culture. Awesome. There is a myth that goes along with the devil bird and its sort of origin and also its maybe supernatural abilities. Oh, okay. I'm into so, it. It's very likely that the devil bird is an actual bird. And that is that is an assumption that we will make going forward. Yeah. There are some people who have put forth some possible, like, already extant birds that it may be people are hearing in the middle of the night when they think they hear the oh, devil totally. bird. But those are all sort of like don't quite match up yeah. to what we're expecting to see. So it's likely a related species somewhere. Yeah. But we're really going to spend a lot of this episode digging more into the mythos surrounding it. Okay. Cool. Awesome. So in Sri Lankan folklore, it's believed that the cry of the devil bird is an omen that portends death. <laughs> so it's kind of got a banshee thing going on, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it makes sense, too. You sort of tend to, when you hear a frightening noise like that, and you're, if you are going to project meaning onto it, I would imagine <laughs> that's the meaning you'll project. <laughs> I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, like with most sort of harbinger creatures, it's unclear if 
hearing the cry is what results in the death, or if hearing the cry is simply, like, something that only happens to people who are already going to be experiencing a death soon. Right. That's the weirdest way I've ever phrased die. Yeah. <laughs> or have someone close to them. Yeah, I guess that's kind of what I was thinking. I, I wanted mean, to make it more catch always, you're going to die, for example. Yeah, exactly. But, so, you know, a, a world of possibility here. Okay, so a few possibilities for it. Its precise identity is still a matter of hotly, like, debated argument, but the spot-bellied eagle owl is one possible contender. Can I see what that fool looks like? The spot-bellied eagle owl? Yeah. Yeah. One sec. I want to know what a cross between an eagle and an owl is. Well, let me show you, friends. (laughs) I love it. Oh, he is my favorite. (laughs) He's a fun friend. He just looks like every animated owl that's like a wise professor with bushy eyebrows. Huge yeah, eyebrows. It's like, like an oh, eagle he's good. Uh-huh. with the eyebrows of that owl. Oh, he's so good. Um, yeah, he's powerful. Yeah, look this up at home if you want to see a powerful, powerful And fellow. spots on he belly. Oh, spots <laughs> on he belly. Okay. It also might be the um, Ceylon Highland Nightjar. Okay, yeah, no, I'm familiar with nightjars. They yeah, okay. are... Interesting. Well, I hope it's a night jar because the mental image of it being like this horrible, horrible thing coming from just this tiny little guy oh is my really good. They're good. <laughs> like as much as I, it might be the high, like the, the eagle owl, it would be so much better if it was the night jar. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the males of that particular night jar are known to have a screaming flight call mm. that is atypical for most night jars. Okay. So that particular species of night jar might be the culprit of the devil bird, or it might be a related species. Mm-hmm. Could be another night jar that we don't know about. Yeah. Um, it also might be the hawk eagle or the crested honey buzzard of the lowland jungles. Oh. Honey buzzard? Honey buzzard. You want to see the buzzard. crested honey buzzard? I do, I do, I do. I want to see his crest. <laughs> he's a fun he guy. Oh, he looks like a honey buzzard. Here's yeah. the thing. He's a very elegant, beautiful looking bird. And so you get to the face and that's just <laughs> a face <laughs> of a pi- That's a pigeon face. Yeah, it is a yeah. pigeon face on a very elegant body. It's, it's a pigeon face on a very elegant, beautiful mm-hmm. bird. Yeah. That's so funny. I love it. It is wild. <laughs> okay, so those are the possible contenders, but mm-hmm. yep, it's also entirely likely it could be something else. Yeah, it, it definitely. And I think for the purposes of this episode, let's just go ahead and say it's not one of those. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's get into some of the sort of folkloric background yeah, of me. the devil bird. And again, there are a few different sort of explanations for this thing and a few different versions on the story. Okay. Uh, but we'll we'll try to tackle a few of them. They all have like a common element to them and then the variations. Is go the from element there. that they're upsetting? Yes. <laughs> oh. Yes, very much. They all sort of involve a man and a woman and a child and some element of horror. Mm, what could go wrong? What okay. could possibly go wrong here? Okay, so uh, this is coming to you from Roar Media, which is giving a list of 10 Sri Lankan cryptids. Oh, very nice. Number six is the devil bird. Many accounts, records, and books have spoken of the bone-chilling scream that haunts the forests of Sri Lanka, the cry of the devil bird. Known as one of the most potent omens of death, the cry of the devil bird, or the ulama, has often been described as a hideous, human-like wail that brings death to all those who hear it. Oh, no! Oh, it's all of those mm-hmm. that hear it. Okay, so if you're just out, out, like, camping with your friends... Yep. See, yeah, that's too bad. That version seems to imply death less time. that it's uh, an omen and more that yeah. the whale will make you die. Will do you a death time. Yeah, Either it's not it good. Either curses you or I don't know what it's, I don't like it. Or it's like a mandrake thing where like the, the, the call itself is damaging somehow. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Uh, the stories surrounding Sri Lanka's devil bird are just as terrifying as the cry itself. 
in one of them, and this is one of the more upsetting ones. A man who suspected his wife of infidelity murdered their infant son in her absence, and when she arrived, served her with a curry prepared with the child's flesh. Oh. Oh my god! Not suspecting anything, the woman ate the gruesome meal until she unearthed a finger of her beloved child. Frenzied with grief and horror, she fled screaming into the forest where she was transformed into the Ulama. As the tale goes, her anguished wails and screams still echo through the forest, terrifying villagers and bringing doom to all those who hear it. Yeah, I just got chills from that. That's horrible. It's not awesome. Oh my god. Oh my god. This is a common thread in folktales, but people responding to suspected infidelity by committing, like, crimes against humanity. Yeah, it Mm. is honestly insane. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's horrible. And what's the Greek myth where they do something like that? There are several, actually. Oh, what's the the one with Tantalus? It's Tantalus' myth. I believe it's Tantalus. Yeah, there's also elements of that, though, in uh, both the Hercules myth Mm -hmm. and, like, Zeus I was thinking specifically, the one I was thinking of was Tantalus because then they punish, he feeds them, is it, he feeds them, is it his, I don't remember who he feeds them. Someone's going to tweet at me, I'm sorry. But regardless, Tantalus (laughs) tricked the gods into eating human flesh, and then they cursed him to spend eternity surrounded by food he can never, and drink he can never quite reach. Um, So, anyway. Tantalizing. Yeah, that's the origin of the word. I just realized that. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Isn't that cool (laughs) and great? Don't you want to use that word a million times now? Thinking about a man who tricked gods into cannibalism, and now his punishment is to be thirsty and hungry forever, but every time he reaches for the food above his head, it is pulled from his reach, and every time he reaches for the drink, or the... Reaches for, like, I think in some of the versions it's, like, water. There's water that recedes when he tries to scoop some to drink. Anyway. um, Yeah, it's pretty wild. (laughs) So there's that. I haven't read that particular story in a very long time, but I was a Greek mythology kid, so I do remember at age. That's a fun story to read when you're 10. Um, (laughs) But, yep. So here's another source on it, which I like. This is um, from a magazine called The Island. It's from the online edition, and this is a Sri Lankan publication. Okay, rad. But you were able to find it in English. Yes. Okay, rad. And this particular feature is uh, a feature called What the Devil is the Devil Bird? (laughs) That's cute. By author Williams de Altwis. That's so cute. And it opens with a really interesting sort of short poem. Owls or specters, thick they flee. Nightmare upon horror broods. Hooded laughter, monkish glee, gaps the vital air. All right. Oh. So if that doesn't set the tone for you, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Is it cold in here? (laughs) (laughs) I love the writing of this article so much, so I'm probably going to end up doing a thing that listeners hate, which is where we end up reading large passages of a source. Or do people hate that? (laughs) I I mean, like, some people don't like it, but we, we do a lot of commentary, and I've already, you know, sort of waxed philosophical on some things recently, so Mm -hmm. they're gonna get over it. Here we go. A deep hiss, a hysterical laugh, sobbing and groaning, and then a maniacal wail ending in a screech. Obviously, the cry of a woman in distress. Soul chilling, flesh shriveling. Oh! Loud. (laughs) Encompassing a village in the jungle or on its fringe. Ever heard it? Join the club. The What the Devil is the Devil Bird Club. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, amazing. This authorial voice is so strong. The first record of the phenomenon is by Sir James Emerson Tennant in his Natural History of Ceylon in 1861, quoted by the good 
late, Dr. R. L. Spatel in his study, The Devil Birds of Ceylon. You will find on page 247, says he, the bland, benignant picture of a brown wood owl, labeled the devil bird. Of owls, he says, the most remarkable is the brown owl, which from its hideous yells has acquired the name of the devil bird. The Sennelis regard it literally, with horror and the screams by night in the vicinity of a village is bewailed as the harbinger of impending calamity. So that is a source which is, again, giving a very literal sort of explanation to and reasoning behind the devil bird. Not everyone feels that way about it, though. And that is not a determined or scientifically accepted explanation. So there, there is no canonical, for lack of a better word, like definitive reasoning for the devil bird. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of scientists who believe it is this certain species of owl mm-hmm. or this certain species of honey buzzard, mm-hmm. but that is not, like, it's important to know that that's not definitive. That's right. not, like, set in stone anywhere. Tennant gives the popular legend relating to it, how a savage husband suspecting the fidelity infidelity, it should be, of his wife, killed her child in her absence and on a return place before a great prepared one's flesh, etc., etc., etc. Very bad. She fled into in a frenzy into the forest and there destroyed herself. Oh. I'm sorry. The, the context is not funny at all. The word choice just got. It is wild. And was metamorphosed into an ulama, or devil bird, which still at nightfall horrifies the villagers by repeating the frantic screams of the bereaved mother in her agony. Hmm. Do we like that? Huh. No. No, I also don't like it. <clears throat> a little bit of a downer. Yeah. All the stories Vedas or Sanalis villagers will tell about the origin of the Ulama are variants of what Tenet has recorded with embellishments of the horrifying details. <laughs> uh, one Veda variant reads, A Veda and his son Koa were out hunting for three days without success. They were both very hungry. The father told his son to kindle a fire, and when it was aflame... I'm so sorry thrust his son Koa into it, and roasted him and ate some of his flesh. Why? Sorry. Because he was hungry, Addison. He was very... You ever been so hangry that you just kill a guy? (laughs) You just just eat your son? son, (laughs) He took part of it to his wife, who cooked it and was sharing it out with a wooden spoon when she suddenly became aware that it was her son's flesh. How? I don't know. She just thought, you know, this smells kind of like... You know who this smells like... (laughs) This smells like Koa. Mm. Or, no, Koa's the other one. Sorry. No, that is Koa. Koa okay, is, the, the, is the boy. Got it. Digging the handle of the spoon into her head, she screamed, <gasps> Koa fled into the forest and died. Oh my god. And now, as the crested ulama, she makes the midnight jungle echo with that wail. The Veda's full rendering of the bird's cry is Buka 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 Koa. The preliminary repetitive notes being the guttural strangulation element only heard close, and the final koa being the equivalent of the echoing far, like the the last part of the bird's cry, Mm -hmm. which is why that part of the legend exists, I guess. A name, yeah. Yeah. So realistic is the note that I, who had often heard it before, asked Aveda, who was sleeping on the ground beside my cot, what is that woman crying about at this time of the morning? That is not a woman, he replied. It's an ulama. Wow. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> the women can't catch a break in this story. They huh? really can't. No. no, it's bad. No matter which variant you're sort of yeah. exploring here. I'm. I don't want to. I don't want to linger on it too long. But the handle of the spoon in her head is really, it's really bad. Yeah, that was it's really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's terrible. And let me just go ahead and say, I'm. I, this might come as a surprise if you don't. If you only know me from my work on this particular show. I am not that faint of heart when it comes to 
violence as like, Mm -hmm. not like real violence, but violence in stories and violence in media. I like, like I watch new French extremity cinema. I, I can handle that kind of stuff. That is, that still, I'm, I'm distressed. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's really just, there's no other way to put it. It's. Oh. Mm. And now she's just a bird forever. Now she's just a horrible bird. <laughs> Not just a bird. Not just any bird. You don't but, know that the bird is horrible. Well, it's called the devil bird. It kills people with its wailing. In all of the variations, <laughs> does it kill people with its wailing? No, not in all of them. Like, I'm not trying to play devil bird's advocate here. Oh, <laughs> uh, get out. <laughs> but uh, I studied bird law. Now I'm a devil bird advocate. <laughs> oh, man. I, I was sitting on that for the last 24 minutes. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you finally um, decided to, uh, but to bring it out here into the open. In all seriousness, we don't know anything about the bird aside from the fact that it screams like a woman who's just discovered she ate her only son. Mm-hmm. Yep. Side note, in every variation, like in the second variation, this is going to sound weird, I'm somehow more disturbed that he fed it to her. In the second variation, yeah. because at that point, essentially, they're back. He's back at civ- in civilization. Uh-huh, yep. They could just go to the store. I mean, I guess part of the implication is that they, like, the father and son were out hunting. Mm. Maybe they were already, like, out of food or mm-hmm. running low on food. And after this act of desperation, maybe his mm-hmm. thinking was, I've already done this yeah. horrific thing. Like, yeah, at least I don't have to tell my wife what this is and she can here's the like, thing, have though. some sustenance. It's terrible. Yeah, here's I'm the, not denying that. Here's my other thought. And I do not want this to be interpreted as victim blaming of this woman in this folktale because it is not. Mm-hmm. But when he got there, did she not say, hey, where's our son that left with you to go on the hunting trip? And yeah. now you're back and he's not here with you. I've got some terrible news for you, but first sit down a moment <laughs> and eat this soup. <laughs> It's not funny. Sorry, but, curry. No, yeah. Yeah. But, oh my god. But but I, I do have to ask that specifically. I that was sticking in me a little in my brain a little bit. Yeah, it's real bad. Anyway, sorry. I mean, please carry on. Maybe he was just out playing with his friends. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe he said like Koa has died. He was attacked by an animal. Here, let me cheer you up with some of this soup Look, stuff. A good curry has on many it's occasions curry. done wonders for my mental well being. <laughs> well, that's true. But you didn't have to then discover that the curry was filled with the meat of your only son. No, I would stop right. calling it a good curry. Yeah, it's a very point. bad curry. <laughs> Fair, yeah, that's no longer a good curry. Okay, anyway. Oh uh, man, this is more this is more cannibalism talk than we usually have on here. It's like a thousand percent more cannibalism <laughs> talk than we usually have on here. I am so sorry. Aside from the Ruger episode when I went on a tangent about the movie Raw, like this is mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> man, Ruger was good. I enjoyed I enjoyed talking about the Ruger. Okay, anyway, okay, so back back to the Delaware. We're not talking about the Ruger. We're not talking now, about Alex. the Ruger right now. Uh, okay, so. <clears throat> Sifting a fact from legend. And this article just goes on to talk a little bit about the various sort of uh, prime contenders for mm-hmm. the devil bird's actual literal biological counterpart. Um, ornithologists have now dismissed Tenet's initial identification of the brown wood owl as the source of the Alama's cry. They have narrowed down the probable source to four members of the order Falconiformis, resident in Sri Lanka. The forest eagle owl, the Ceylon hawk eagle, the mountain or Hodgson's hawk eagle, and the crested honey buzzard. So the forest eagle owl is the largest owl widely distributed in the low and upcountry. 
It's dark brown, it's nocturnal, it lives in the forest, and it's seldom seen. Which is part of what makes it such a prime contender for the right. Delbert thing, right? Yeah. Is that nobody really has any sort of cohesive visual evidence for what the devil bird mm-hmm. looks like. We're just operating on these calls. Right. We I, are fairly certain that whatever bird it is, it's kind of crested, and that sort of plays into the various origin myths for this mm-hmm. bird, because there are, there's some association between, like, the woman clapping her hands to her head mm-hmm. and oh, running off yeah. into the woods, or the spoon, I, I guess, say, is the lodged spoon in the crest? her head. Maybe. <laughs> it's possible. Um, I don't know. I don't love it. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> so here's, here's the thing. And, and maybe you're going to get to this it's and this might sound a little bit this might sound a little bit out there. This might sound a little bit edgy. This might be kind of an edgy take, but how do they know it's a bird if nobody's seen it? Well, okay, some people have seen it. Okay, the sorry. problem is it's one always at night. It's always like in the middle of the night. That's okay. the only time this bird is active. Um, two, it's usually like you know you're kind of bleary eyed, and it's people who aren't like necessarily super reliable mm-hmm. witnesses because like oh I was asleep and I was awakened by a horrible cry. Right. This is what I think I saw. Um, but there's also the idea that, like, it sounds similar enough to other bird cries that they're fairly certain okay. it's a bird. Like, there is some circumstantial mm-hmm. evidence to it. Okay. My thinking for a second was just, that guy mentioned it sounds so convincing, he thought it was a woman. I just thought, how do you know it isn't? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, maybe. I like, don't how know. Do you, how do you know it's not just a woman? I mean, maybe screaming. she's maybe she's just still out there running around the forest. <laughs> oh, no. Tim, that's worse. <laughs> Tim, that's, oh, Tim that's so much worse. It's like a horrible Sweeney Todd angle now. Um, She's just out there still. Yikes. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, that's the forest eagle owl. Okay, cool. Are you going to give us a little uh, little more info on all these birds? Yeah, I will, okay, I will, cool. I will. Uh, so the forest eagle owl, just to keep summarizing, it has barred ear tufts. It's got deep brown eyes, stout feathered legs with powerful talons. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> there, there are many visual and behavioral characteristics that make this a prime contender. The mountain hawk eagle or the Hodgson hawk eagle, they're both the same bird. It just okay. has different names. This bird is somewhat larger than the Ceylon hawk eagle. Um, it's distinguished by its, and I don't know what this word means, Rufus? R-U-F-O-U-S. Oh, so not Rufus the name. Not Rufus the name. No, I know what that means. It's a boy. Um, It's Rufus, Rufus, barred underparts. Underparts sounds like a very euphemistic sort of word, and I don't love that. Underparts sounds like something they'd say in repressed Victorian nobility (laughs) to refer to to it, yes. uh, Or in a car garage where they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, Yeah, you got a problem down there with your underparts. (laughs) Oh, yeah. See, I was thinking more like, Sir Gregory, I must implore you to keep your hands away from my underparts. Or like um, in modern day erotica when, like, women want to be writing sexy things but are too scared to actually use Uh words, and so they're like... There was a rousing in my underparts. And it's like, what does um, that mean? Like in Fifty Shades of Grey, where she just keeps saying dot, 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 down there. Oh, <laughs> she does no. a lot. Does she? Okay, that's yes. horrible. Okay, anyway, sorry about that. Mm, um, anyway, okay, so that's the Hodges talking. Uh, the young birds are very pale with a lot of white. Its legs are feathered all the way down to the talons, which are large and powerful. I think ah. the Hodges and Hockey Eagle wrote this. Powerful. <laughs> 
And he's very handsome. And he's a very handsome bird. And he gets dates all the time. <laughs> and he was invited to all the cool parties in high school. Okay, his hair looks amazing and it's not dumb, mom. Uh, it has comparatively short, broad wings, a long tail, pale, pale gray irises, and a long crest of a few black feathers that stick out jauntily behind its head. Oh my gosh. I love this self bio It's really it's good, yeah. Uh, so it occasionally visits estates and villages carrying off poultry, but mostly lives in forested areas. So that, mm-hmm. again, is like a behavioral explanation for why this particular bird is a prime contender, in addition to being very handsome mm-hmm. and successful and well-liked. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know it's the laws of nature, but it really does freak me out when birds eat other birds. Oh, anyway. it is wild. Yeah. Well, you know, for a cannibal bird, maybe. No. Well, Are you saying she has a taste for it now? Yes. <laughs> Alex, oh my god. No, she is cursed. I know. Well, I mean, mammals also eat other mammals. Fish eat fish. It's a dog eat so, I mean, dog it's world. It's a dog eat <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, okay. The Ceylon hawk eagle's juveniles are pale and the adults darker. They're about the size of the serpent eagle. That I gives me no information. I don't yeah. know anything about the serpent eagle, so that comparison helps no one. Uh, its identification points are its yellow irises, black beak, long dark crest, usually erect but sometimes laid down and inconspicuous. Oh. <laughs> sometimes they gotta slick it back. <laughs> Legs feathered down to pale yellow talons. It's fairly common in the dry zone and inhabits mainly the low and mid country. It's fairly common in the wooded country and it preys on lizards, small rodents, birds, etc., etc. Okay. The crested honey buzzard is the size of the serpent eagle, which I guess is just a common <laughs> denominator for birds in is Sri that Lanka. Like the metric standard of bird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess it is. I don't know. The serpent eagle is the standard bird. The standard bird. Just one absolute unit. (laughs) Oh, man. The platonic ideal of a bird. The serpent eagle. Uh, Let's see. It's uh, the crested honey buzzard is readily recognized by lures on the side of the head, ear coverts, eyelids, and chin, which, unlike those of other hawks, are clothed with small, close, scale-like feathers. A protection against the attack of bees. Nice. Okay. So I guess it's because it's a honey buzzard. I guess oh. that's why, you know? Does it eat honey? I will find out. I think it eats, like, the, I think it eats on the bugs that oh, produce yeah. honey, you know? I think it's like a, it, it's not necessarily eating the honey, it's going after the creatures oh, yeah. that are what if he wants feeding on or making the honey. What okay. if he wants a sweet treat for dessert? Maybe he does. So okay. it's, it's maybe, maybe he's like, like, ooh, no, I got a wasp. Oh, there's honey on it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I really shouldn't. Oh, I really should. Let's be naughty. Let's eat a whole nest. <laughs> if I get a honeycomb, will you eat some? I really. I know you'll have some if I get some. Okay. Can you animate that for me, just real quick? Because just that would right be amazing. Now. Oh man. Uh, where was I? Telling us about the honey buzzard. Yeah, its head is small and sleek, with small crest feathers pointed and black, usually inconspicuous, being depressed on the back of the neck, except when excited. Mm. Yeah, cute. Um, it's a forest bird, occasionally venturing away from the jungle. It feeds largely on wild bees and wasps and combs of bees, eating both honey and brood bomb to get the larvae. Oh! Uh, oh, Love that. (laughs) Moving on. Um, These four birds are the closest to be identified by ornithologists and jungle men who chose to spend their leisure hours in the remotest areas to which the spirit of adventure drew them. 
<laughs> when you said jungle men, I just imagined the guy from Jumanji. Oh, it's literally they're all just they're all just um Jack Black from Jumanji actually oh. from the new Jumanji. Oh, I thought all of them were Jack thinking, Black. Uh, from the new you were thinking Robin thinking. Williams Jumanji, right? Yeah, yeah I was thinking. Yeah, that no, and that's wrong. That. It's actually all Jack Black from Jumanji. Every single one of them. <laughs> oh, okay, that's fine. I guess I haven't seen the new Jumanji, yet, but neither. I love the Jack Black yeah. and Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Karen Gillan. <laughs> <laughs> that's too. like the wildest casting it's, notice. It's pretty inexplicable. I'm not mad about it. I'm, so, I'm, in fact, very unmad about it. All right, so that was the ornithology corner. Yeah, that was just a little fun science time for everybody. Mm-hmm. Birds, birds, birds. Birds, 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 birds. Let's see. There was a sighting of the crested honey buzzard that was made by animal collector John Hagenbach in Upper Chatham Street in 1938. Ornithologist and jungle lover Shelley Crozier records the occasion in a letter to the Times Weekender. Hagenbeck had related his experience. One night at about 2 a.m., the terrible cries had disturbed the whole neighborhood. He had been just in time to spot the pair. The male whom he had seen clearly had signs of knobbly scales on the legs, even the young. It was presumably a whole family of ulamas. That sighting did not bring any disaster to the citizens, but Crozier does relate three experiences which did. Not to him but three nervous friends whom he had taken out on shoots in the forest of East Sri Lanka. They had been a bit jittery about the devil birds, who had actually flown screaming very close to them. Oh. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why they were jittery. Okay, I know they were nervous. My friends were, like, being total wusses the entire time after these devil birds flew next to us and screamed at us. <laughs> flew screaming close to them. Yeah. Crozier says they had shot at them. The friends died within a few weeks of their return home. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Maybe you don't shoot at the ancient cursed bird. And then here's another <laughs> wild <laughs> sentence. Okay. Depending on your mental makeup, the stories alone are spine chilling. <laughs> like, no, duh. Wait, so hold on. I have to go back to this this idea of this bird having a family. Uh-huh. Uh, a whole family of horrible now, birds. does this, the myth of this bird, like, does it happen again? In bird form? Oh, no. And then they turn back into angry humans? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a human just screaming all over the place. I was out with my place. bird of prey son, and we couldn't find any wasps, so I killed him and returned him to his bird mother. And then, and she, she, ate a bird and then she flew screaming into the town and became a human. <laughs> And now, when birds venture into the village, they can hear a woman screaming like a bird. <laughs> oh, man, I hope that's true. Um, oh, no. Yikes. That's terrible. But a good question, Tim. It's Thank a you. very good one. Yeah, thank you for that presupposition. I like it a lot. Uh, depending on your mental makeup, these are pretty chilling. These are pretty <laughs> chilling. Uh, yeah, wow. The official Explore Sri Lanka website also has an article on the devil bird of Sri Lanka. They're, like, a, a popular cryptid to talk about. Yeah. Um, and they're fairly well-known. You know, and sometimes we've talked about cryptids where it's like, this is a big deal in the culture, and it's like, I've never heard of that thing in my life. Um, but this is one that seems fairly pervasive in the mm -hmm. culture, in general know-how It's on... Is this like a, it sounds like a Sri Lankan tourism site? Yeah. I was going to say. Oh, cool. A lot of, and it's great. I love when places lean into lore and cryptids and stuff mm -hmm. as a way to sort of draw folks in. The biggest thing about the devil bird that's interesting is nearly every site you find on it is um, incorporating some horrible devil pun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like this one from Sugar Nature, um, which is the website of Carl Schuker, who I guess 
talks about nature. Uh-huh. I've, I've definitely come across that name before. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's called Sri Lanka's Devil Bird, Investigating a Devil of a Mystery. I was just gonna oh. say, it's a devil of a bird. It's a devil <laughs> of a bird. Yeah. So there's that. Um, according to Shuker Nature, back in the early 1980s, one of the most popular TV series was Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World. Opening one episode devoted to cryptozoology, the show's eponymous star briefly mentioned two Sri Lankan mystery animals, the horned jackal and the devil bird. Not having heard of either of these before, and discovering that they were not mentioned further in the show itself, I carried out extensive researches into both of them. Which is, like, such a mood, right? (laughs) It's like, upon learning that nobody was going to talk about these things that I saw once in passing, I took it upon myself to dedicate the next 24 hours to it. (laughs) Which, like, who amongst us has never? I took as my initial source and starting point the man himself, Arthur C. Clarke, who, in response to my inquiries, very- oh, so we actually, like, wrote the guy- kindly provided me with much information and further sources of reference. As I've documented elsewhere, the horned jackal turned out to be little more than a morphological fluke, but the devil bird is more intriguing. Also called the ulama, it takes its English name from its truly hideous cry, (laughs) graphically described as resembling the sound that would be made by a boy being slowly strangled. Um, here's the thing. That's a very specific sound to be familiar with. Right? I don't know that I would recognize that noise if I heard it, because I have never slowly strangled a boy. Hey, Carl. (laughs) Hey. Hey, Carl. How many boys have you slowly strangled, Carl? How many times times you gotta strangle a boy before you know what that sounds like intimately? (laughs) No, not just strangle a boy, Alex. Slowly. Slowly. That's the other thing, right? It's not like he's, I mean, because who amongst us has not accidentally strangled a boy? I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Please don't. Well, Uh, okay, how do, okay, I'm thinking about it. How do you slowly strangle someone? Because it's gonna take... To be honest, I think all, not to go too deep into this, I think all strangulation's kind of slow. Yeah, yeah. But, like, just using that descriptor makes me think that it's, it's an even slower strangle. It's, it's really bad. I don't love it. But, but I just, I understand what they're getting at. I totally, I definitely do, because that earlier description of the noise mentioned sort of like a, mm-hmm. like a choking kind of sound. Yeah. Like a, I guess in fairness, but, if you were being quickly strangulated, you wouldn't be able to scream, would you? No, no that's true. It's true, but here's the thing. <laughs> This I'm, is a wild yeah, episode. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry that I kind of brought us down this path of strangles. <laughs> I mean, I took us down the path of cannibalism, so... <laughs> I just think that when you are providing a comparison sound, consider how the example you give reflects on you. And I realize what I'm doing right now is just the darker version of, like, when you're a kid and you say something tastes like feet and there's always, like, that one, like, asshole uh-huh. kid who's like, you know what feet taste like? Ew. Yeah. But to be fair, um, usually the kid does, because kids lick everything. True. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, and I realize that I'm kind of doing that, the equivalent of that, but for murder, mm-hmm. but <laughs> which is already a lot. But at the same time, hey, Carl, how do you know what that sounds like? Anyway. Not Pretty to cast dispersions on Mr. Carl Sugar, I know nothing about him, but <laughs> don't come after me. Um, in a strangling way, a strangling, <laughs> a strangling way, or a <laughs> litigious way. Yeah, okay. uh, really. Uh, he goes on to say, What makes this crypto case especially unusual, moreover, is that although its eldritch cry has been heard on nice. countless occasions by all manner of reliable ear witnesses, sightings of the bird responsible are virtually non-existent. Eldritch as a descriptor is one of my favorite things. Thank you, Carl. It's really good. <laughs> All right. Um, he then goes on to say, as discussed fully in my books, and then talk about his own books, um, but then goes down I mean, to make a... his website. He's allowed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then goes down to make an interesting point, which is uh, that there are people who claim that it's probably one of these birds in particular and says, 
Yet, if it is indeed a well-known bird, surely its identity as the voice of the devil bird would have been firmly established long ago. Which, props to you, Carl. You you do know your stuff, even if you have strangled a boy on occasion. <laughs> Alex, we can't say that. <clears throat> All right. There's just one more thing I want to get to in, like, the factual history of the devil bird, which is to say that in July 2001... An abandoned, immature Sri Lankan eagle owl was rescued from a flock of attacking crows in a forest by some villagers, and it was subsequently subsequently claimed for a time on some websites that this specimen perfectly matched native descriptions of the devil bird, and that the devil bird mystery had therefore been solved. Yet, as has already been noted here, the very crux of the devil bird dilemma is that detailed sightings of it are all but non-existent. It is its cry, not its appearance, that is well documented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is just important to note that for a part of the devil bird's sort of popular or quote-unquote scientific history, um, there was a thought that it had been conclusively determined and that has since been sort of dismissed. Well, because you can't really, you can't claim it matches the descriptions of something that doesn't have a definitive mm-hmm. physical description. Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting because we have characteristics of, like, we have these stories of things that, um, start out as cryptids and then later are proven as real animals, or we have things that, like, we think for a while are, like, real animals that existed in history, and then we're like, that Mm. probably wasn't a thing. Mm. Um, But this is an interesting case of something that started out as a cryptid, was briefly, conclusively, quote-unquote, proven, and then actually went back to being a cryptid. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. which is is really exciting. I like that a lot. Yeah. I like this sort of dance we're doing with the devil bird here. Dance with the devil <laughs> bird. The I, I thought that was intentional. And I then, did too, And then yeah. you made it seem like it well, maybe wasn't. It wasn't at first. As soon as I heard it come out of my mouth, it made sense. There and you then, go. I like anyway, it. I found my way as I made my way there. And that's the story of my life. Okay. I like it. I think that there's something to be taken away from that. So that's pretty much what I've got for you on the devil bird today. <laughs> I guess there aren't really sightings. There are hearings. Hearings yeah. of the devil bird. Yeah. Encounters. Devil bird encounters. Encounters. Um, encounters. I'm sorry. Just a hearing of the devil bird made me think of a, a like court of oh, law. Oh, yes. Oh, so we're back to bird <laughs> law, are we? <laughs> well, the devil bird has some stuff to answer for. <laughs> yeah, you're not if, wrong. If they truly are killing as many people as it is claimed with their cries. I don't know how you would convict that per se, but... Uh, well, that's why you have to use bird law instead of human law. Oh, 20, you're right. 20 years in a bird cage. I tried. I'm sorry. That's a it life sentence it for a lot of birds. That's yeah, multiple consecutive <laughs> life sentences for many birds. Not if you're a parrot. <laughs> oh, That's true. Parrots can live like 70 years or something. Some of them live even longer. Really? How long do they live in captivity? I don't know. But I think as pets, hmm. I know that I know that I know enough people, or I know enough people, or of enough people that have fully just inherited parrots because they outlived their owners. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, that's its own thing. So for something we haven't done in a while, I would like it very much if you guys would give me a rating for in the, the new year. Bird. Yeah, I want to make sure I want to bring bring back this stuff. We got a little <laughs> lost in the woods for a bit, and that's yeah. partially on me. Um, uh, I would like I would love to give a rating. A rating? What kind? What kind of rating? Uh, let me see. What scale do I want you to rate the devil bird on? Um, uh, well, no, that would be a genuinely horrifying way to end the episode. <laughs> I was going to have you um, just indicate to me orally your your feelings oh. on the devil bird. Just sort of like give a little scream and see well, how can, we feel about I'll it. I'll do it. Do it. Um, do we? Yeah, I'd like to hear some bespoke devil bird feelings um, portrayed. Here's the thing. Like this isn't an interpretive dance. This is an interpretive. Scream. I'm gonna um, get up and stand on the other side of the room so I don't blow out the microphone. Okay, good. Thank this you. This is what Much I have to do when I record screams for no sleep. I have to stand, stand outside the of my booth oh, and man. poke my head into my booth from the farthest possible 
So yeah, okay. so go ahead and give us a okay. rating expressed in the form of a yell. A bird yell that sounds like a human woman or a boy being slowly <laughs> strangled. These are your criteria. <laughs> that would do it. Oh man, Bear is so perplexed. The, the pup is upset. That's a pretty good double bird sound. <laughs> that was, I liked yeah. it. Thanks. It hurts. <laughs> yeah, maybe don't do that again. I will never do that again as long as I live or until no sleep pays me to do it. <laughs> Um, just co- just copy and paste that sound bite and just send me. That's yeah. your whole reel now. Did they you had know? me do a story for one of the Christmas episodes that my entire, I had two spoken lines and the rest of my appearance in the script was distant screaming. So I had nice. to record 14 individual screams. Wow. <laughs> wow. It was... You can't just pitch shift them slightly. (laughs) No, no. Each one's got to be, it's got to come from a real place. Yeah, I understand. It's got to be rooted in reality. Yeah, it's got to be. That sounds worse than the time we spent like three hours playing noisy person cards. Yeah. It was, it was rough. Anyway, uh, that was my rating. Tim, what are your feelings on the dumb Uh, bird? Is that the Was that the I, noise? I, I, no, no, I know for a fact it. you yeah. can do weird bird sounds. I've heard them a lot. It's just like in front of a microphone. Now I'm just going to mess it up and look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, because you did the wrong kind of weird bird sound. Yeah. No. Yeah, well. Hey, Tim. Hey. There is no con- there is no wrong kind of weird bird sound. Can, is there a wrong boy being strangled sound? Probably not. Okay. All of them. I mean, I <laughs> think. Okay, fair enough. Okay, let me try it. All right. I need everyone on the other side of this microphone to know that came from a human boy. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at the uh, the sound waves, and it was just a block. <laughs> yeah, that's how Addison's was too. I think we destroyed the microphone. So we've uh, um, thank you for listening. I'm sorry that you wait, listened. Are we end we've it like done that? horrible. We've done a lot of horrible audio crimes today, and I hope you can forgive us. But I really don't know how to follow that up. So I think that has to be the end of the episode. <laughs> oh my god, it feels wrong to do this to the people. <laughs> the people who have, for the most part, been so kind to us. <laughs> who have, for the most part. <laughs> um, and this is our first episode of the New Year. So oh my god. <laughs> that's an auspicious um, note oh, to well, end then, on. Oh, you know what I'd really like to then talk about then? If it's yeah, sure. uh, the New Year. I, I know we don't really necessarily all believe in New Year's resolutions, but I would love it if we could set some intentions for the New Year, both podcasting-wise and just personally. Oh, Okay. To maybe not end on the note of Tim screaming like a pterodactyl. <laughs> He's very good at it, though. Is the He's thing. very talented, but that doesn't make it not scary. That's true. In fact, it is maybe the amount of talent and specificity <laughs> that makes it so terrifying. I spent mm-hmm. a lot of time in college just making weird noises. I can attest to that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, we both played bassoon, so... That's true. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I can yes. I can start. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Uh, let's, so, let's hear what you've got. It's 2019. So um, I'm going to be a little candid about something here, uh, and I don't know if it's really made its. I I feel like it's affected my work on here. I don't know if it actually has. Maybe I I imagine it more than it is uh, there. But I spent the last several months kind of clawing my way out of a depression pit, and I'm doing a lot better now. Um, still, still, you know, it's always in progress. Uh, but I. I'm hoping to take this year to enjoy making things again. Oh, nice. <laughs> and to actually uh, do things that are fun, to find the joy, to find the light, and to, uh, as opposed to approximating what I think people would like to hear, just sort of chasing that bliss and trying to make the work that I'm proud of, and hopefully you all will enjoy with me as well. Um, and that's that applies to pretty much every 
aspect of my creative and personal life. So that's that's the intention. We're gonna find the joy. Right on. Hey. Yeah. No, it's super good to like rediscover why it is that you're making the mm-hmm. thing that you're making. And that's that's mm-hmm. art. It's a perpetual struggle, yes. you know. And and I and I and I have felt at the very least like I was unintentionally phoning it in across the board in a lot of my stuff, a lot of my work, because I was not fully present in really anything mm-hmm. that I was doing because I don't know if you all know this, but moving across the country, uh, away from the support system you've had for the last uh, four or more years of your life is really hard. Yeah. Uh, but um, we're out here. We're doing it. And the sunshine doesn't hurt. So that's that. True dat. And who would like to go next? I don't know. Tim, do you have anything? Or should I, should I go next? You Set an intention for the ruminating. year. I don't know. Um, well, I definitely know that I need to uh, start going to therapy, so that's that's everyone should definitely do that. So hell yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I mean everybody, everybody should. It's just something that I haven't got around to really, and the only time that I've uh, experienced therapy, it was with a terrible therapist. <laughs> oh, big move, um, and that'll mess you yeah. up. Yeah. So it's kind of deterred me from like actually trying to mm-hmm. like go find someone mm-hmm. to. Uh, Fix me. <laughs> they they can't but, fix you. Only right, yeah, you can yeah. work on things inside yourself that you want to <laughs> work on. It's progress. I think right, they do tool yes. fixing. No, no, yeah, no, they do. Yeah, but um, someone to kind of help me through that progress. For sure, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of like my thing. And mm-hmm. also being like six hours away from people who I've like developed this group of uh, support and everything. Like that's been a little bit tough. So like. Yeah, yeah, it's rough. No, and I'm glad that both of you guys are talking about this because it's mm-hmm. definitely something that like I also have been going through, and it's mm-hmm. a little bit different for me. But like, I, and, and you know, it's it's wild. I know that we talked about it some in the most superficial way on this podcast because it just literally affected it that we were all moving at the same time. Mm-hmm. But that was like a really weird and specific reality that affected everybody, sort of tangential to this project, mm-hmm. and the fact that you know we spent. <laughs> like, you know, the last few months and only the last few months that all of us were in the same place, sort of like rapidly developing this support network. And I'm very, very grateful that mm-hmm. we did, but it made it really weird to like have that experience and then all of a sudden like fragment it in a million different directions exactly. at once. And then, you know, like Addison, you moved like all the way across the country and Tim, you moved all the way up like to the yeah. top of the country. And um, I also moved and, you know, I was moving with Andrew, so it was a little bit different, but all the same, I mean, he's working like 60 hours a week, and so a lot of the time that I've spent in the past, like, several months has been me working from home, like, totally alone, except for my dog, and it gets really, really isolating and really weird, Mm -hmm. and while I'm a big proponent of, like, learning to spend time with yourself and, you know, accept that, uh, it was also just, like, really, really isolating, and it felt Mm -hmm. really, really strange, and I went through some really dark moments because of that, and Mm -hmm. it was difficult, but I'm really, really thankful that not only have I been able to, you know, maintain these these friendships and these connections and realize, like, oh, you know, I have these things even if they're not, like, readily available to me in a physical space. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to make more time and intention and awareness of, like, reaching out and acquiring those mm-hmm. things or, like, connecting to them and making that a very purposeful process. Um, but I'm also really glad that we've had this chance over the holidays that we've had to mm-hmm. really spend a lot of time, like, coming back from the different places that we've been and sort of reconnecting and saying like, okay, you know, this is the dynamic that we have and it's okay that we have to spend some time like in Mm -hmm. different places physically because we have this space to return to. And that's Mm -hmm. been really reaffirming. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. You know, to like realize that while we might not like spending time away from it, it's a little bit less scary when you know that you can come back from that 
mm-hmm. and still have this thing here. Like, it's not yeah. going anywhere. Who says you can't go Which, home? Oh, nice. Which is really, really nice. Mm-hmm. So I think that my biggest intention for 2019 is just to, I think, be more conscious in the decisions that I make about my relationships instead of just sort of like, there's a lot to be said for living in the moment. And I'm a very big proponent of that. But also I think that you have to be mindful of what it is that you're doing and what it is that you're trying to develop Mm -hmm. in your relationships with the people around you, Mm -hmm. because that also helps you to be more appreciative of what it is that you have. Mm -hmm. If you're just sort of like hanging out with somebody all the time and then suddenly they're gone, it's like, I don't know what this actually is. I wasn't paying attention while we built it. (laughs) But if you know what it is that you're laying the groundwork for, then you can be a lot more secure and a lot more certain in what it is that you have going forward. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot more peace of mind in that. So I think my intention is just to set more intentions. No, I like <laughs> that. is what I'm saying. No, and I, I completely agree with that. And I just want to make sure, just, I want to, I want to bring my fullest self to the table, uh, in, in the, in this new year. Um, when I, and I don't mean in a way that will tap me out or drain me or anything like that. I don't mean overextend. I just mean do one thing at a time and do it fully. Mm-hmm. Right um, on. And also very grateful, even though I know for a fact I was not bringing my best self to this show in the last several months. I do want to even, while we're in the honesty corner, say that there there were definitely certain days that uh, this was the only reason for which I got out of bed that day. And then I immediately Mm -hmm. got back into bed uh, for the rest of it. And that was, and that's sort of a lot to sort of look at. And, And things are not bad. And I should say this, like things are not bad in California. Things are very good. It's just to that that kind of adjustment does something to you and it's hard. Definitely. And it is difficult. And anyway, now that was, and that was a little bit of transparency and also just a little bit of acknowledgement of, uh, a little bit of acknowledgement of my own obstacles and my own, uh, my own faults, if you were, if you will. But anyway, I hope you'll all come with us into the new year. And, um, uh, thank you all for being a part of this. And it is, Still, I have to remind myself to be grateful because it is still amazing that this is what it is and has grown to the level that it has mm-hmm. because it, again, is something... We say this a lot, and I think it's a cliche for a lot <laughs> of creators, but it's something that we never expected. Um, yeah, definitely. And thank you so much to everybody who's been patient with us throughout that growing process because you, when this started out, we were two people in Addison's closet <laughs> talking about monsters um, and like maybe under the assumption that 20 people at our school would listen to an episode. And now this is like something way different than that. And Mm -hmm. it's for me become something really, really special and really precious to be able to have this time every week to like reconnect and say like, you know what, no matter what we're doing, no matter how frustrating like the business aspect of this can get Mm -hmm. sometimes, no matter what else is like coming into play or how many factors we have flying around or no matter how many times we have to reschedule, like this is still a sacred moment Mm -hmm. in the week when I can reconnect with my friend and we can sit down and like purposefully set aside a space of like joy and intention and purpose. And like, that's really, really nice. And monsters. Yeah. But thank you for everybody. Like I was originally saying before I totally lost myself in my own weeds there. Um, Thank you to everybody who's been patient. I know that it's been a process. I know that like we haven't had our Etsy store up in a while. And I know that some episodes have been delayed or like rescheduled or et cetera, et cetera. It's been like an enormous kind of several months. Mm -hmm. Like we all moved everywhere and we joined the Lunar Light Studio, which has been amazing. Love them. They're fantastic. Um, We've both been taking on like different creative responsibilities and we're like getting new merch up for you guys. And then Cora Borealis joined the One Shot Network. So like we're all very busy. (laughs) Um, I'm in grad school. Addison's in grad school. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, So like there's a lot going on and we really, really appreciate you guys being so vocally supportive while we're going through all of this. I know that it can be so frustrating to watch, like, 
people that you're trying to support, like, say over and over again, like, this will be done soon. And, like, it, it just doesn't really quite get there because life is very messy and organic mm. and that's not how things go all the mm-hmm. time. Exactly. Um, but, you know, we are real people on the other side of this microphone. And I hope that this has been a moment of, like, vulnerability and transparency that addresses that. It's mm-hmm. um, it's weird to be here and to realize that sometimes the the things that are important to you and visibility from the other creators that you see and love and respect are like kind of your responsibility now. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot. Being known and seen is, is, I mean, I got a theater degree clearly at some point, it's something that I wanted, <laughs> but like can be very intimidating, mm-hmm. can be very humbling. I feel like I am sounding <laughs> like I think higher of myself than I do. I try, I promise you, no one could think lower of myself than, no, that's not true either. Um, I promise you that's not the case. Um, but, so uh, after all of that, Tim, do you want to plug your Twitter? Do a what? Do you oh, want to plug, plug your Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was not what I expected from the Devil Bird episode. <laughs> it's content, the word, content warning for feeling. It's also feels. the first of the new year. It is, yeah. It's first nice, episode, nice not the time. first day of the new year. It's like January 4th. <laughs> so, uh, Tim, what's your Twitter? Uh, it's at Timmerdoodles. Um, it's T-I-M-M-E-R doodles. Do you have any other stuff you want to plug? Oh, Horror Borealis. <laughs> nice. It's pretty cool. I think it's neat. Can you yeah. uh, break us off a little bit of that Martha flavor? I am literally talking <laughs> I as know. I do as Martha. Right <laughs> I know, Martha just is Tim. He's been in character this whole time. It's yeah. unbelievable. Special guest Martha. Martha Gibble. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, man. Out. Daniel Day Who? <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Day Who is? Um, All right, man. So, anyway, um, if you've listened this far past our little end segment, then thank you. Uh, bless you. Um, if you want to know where to find us, you can find us on Twitter at Crypt Keep Pod. You can find us on Facebook under The Cryptid Keeper. You can find us in our Facebook group, The Crypt Keeper Appreciation Group, which recently passed 1,000 members. Hey, Ooh, which awesome. is just baffling uh, in a nice way. Um, and, I'm amazed uh, there are a thousand people who still use Facebook. Right? <laughs> Wild. Um, you can also reach out and send us an email if you have a listener story, a question. Just want to, uh, this is me, Addison, uh, just specifically, this is not, Alex has not endorsed this statement. If you want to send me pictures of your cats, um, <laughs> you can email us at cryptkeeppod at gmail.com. We recently had tweets asking where to send listener stories, and I realized I hadn't plugged our email in a while, so cryptkeeppod at gmail.com. That's where you can send listener stories for our listener stories episodes, questions. Questions, comments, concerns, um, pictures of your pets, um, <laughs> recipes. I don't know. I'm, I'm listing things that I don't know why I did that. Um, you can find us, if you want to support us on Patreon, uh, you can find us under the Cryptid Keeper. That's where you can access the full backlog of A Horror Borealis, plus other bonus episodes, such mm-hmm. as our seasonal bonus episode, Hallmarks, where we discussed uh, Where we just television. get the most salty we about bad holiday about movies. made-for-TV <laughs> holiday movies. Uh, you can also find some, some mini bonus episodes on shorter cryptids, uh, more of those to come. Uh, there's an upcoming series involving a fan fiction that I wrote when I was in middle school. You know yes. you want that content. Yeah. And uh, also access to a patrons-only Discord server where you can come hang out in a fun little special clubhouse. You may have noticed that we have a new logo. That design is by Nick Beecher. Uh, thank so you, Nick. Thank you so much, Nick. It's gorgeous. We absolutely love it. And we are really looking forward to carrying that branding with us into the new year. Special thank you also to the One Shot Network for bringing a Horror Borealis on board. That's a very exciting That's new chapter really cool of our and lives. Exciting. Yeah. We love it. Very cool. Uh, if you don't know what the One Shot Network is, go back and listen to our Encantado episode with James D'Amato. 
One Shot Network president. Also, thank you while I'm thanking people who help make this show possible. Thank you to our audio wizard Val Patron for our audio editing, and thank you to Andrew Giada for the use of our theme music, uh, which he wrote. And <laughs> he sure did. Which he sure <laughs> did write. And also, thank you, finally, to you. And as always, we hope we can keep you around and all together now, one, two, three, stay, stay safe, safe out there. there.